When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. I wonder how many of you know uh, that passage. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through fire, you shall not be burned, and the flame shall not consume you. Isaiah 43, 2. Maybe just one more time on that one. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you, and through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, and the flame shall not consume you. In the center of Daniel chapter 3 is the main focus. We just read a few minutes ago. Three verses. I want you to notice again. Right there in the middle in verses 16 through 18. Look there with me at what we just read. This is the heart of the matter right here. This is the heart of the sermon. Daniel 3.16, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If this be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. Look again at what it says there in verse 17. If this be so, our God, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us. Here we see God in Daniel chapter 3. We see here in verses 16 through 18 really uh, an astonishing answer of great courage in the face of potential sure death. And we see these three men, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, uh, with their pagan names that they had been given, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And we see them being respectful. They're not losing their courtesy. They're being respectful, but it's almost as though they're saying, as I like to think of it, they're saying, this one is not hard. Now, friends, some things in life are hard. There's a lot of things in life that are hard. For believers, for followers of Jesus Christ, there are things that are challenging and hard. For example, uh, it may be very hard for you to think about speaking to a, a close relative about the Lord. There are many things that are hard and that are challenging. This is not hard. I say that, first of all, just because of what they say here. They, they fear God, listen, they fear God in their hearts and in their minds to such a degree that they say, you know, we don't need to think about this, O king. We can give you an answer right now. It's as though they are saying to King Nebuchadnezzar, this is not hard. And indeed, this is not hard to to face the very real prospect of death and to have to choose between uh, bending the knee or to follow Christ. This is not hard 
for Christians. Now, bear with me. Sometimes we might say it's, it's easier to, to maybe die for the Lord than it is to actually live for him day in and day out. I like what Ian Dugid says about this passage. Uh, Dugid says this. He says that when he was little, he used to think about, when he was a young man, he used to think about this passage. And he used to think, you know, would I actually stand up for Jesus Christ if I were in such a situation where it would very possibly cost me my life? And we have perhaps had those thoughts as Christ's people. Would I, in this type of situation, or maybe we think, as, as I think Dugan said as well, maybe we think, you know, actually, I'm pretty sure that I would buckle. But the point is, listen, dear brothers and sisters, is that the Lord God doesn't call us to worry in an imaginary way about what we would do if faced with the fiery furnace. But instead, the Lord God gives grace to his people for whatever specific trial he might have you to go through. You see, this was their specific trial. And maybe we might face a literal uh, burning furnace, or maybe we would face something of this magnitude. We're reminded in this sermon this morning, right, that, that many people do for the sake of Jesus Christ face things of this magnitude, thinking about the, the persecuted church around the world. But our Lord and our shepherd is kind, and he doesn't say, you're terrible. He doesn't say, you have to imagine again what you would do in this situation. He says to us, there will be grace for you, as someone has said, uh, comparing it to the manna. The manna was good for that day for the ancient Israelites. God gives us grace for each day. He will give his people grace for the specific trial and the specific suffering that he allows to come into your life. That does not deny our human responsibility, certainly doesn't deny our responsibility, but it does say there will be grace. Notice what it says here at the end of verse 15. Notice the arrogance. Notice the arrogance. Nebuchadnezzar, what is his question at the end of verse 15? Who is the God who will deliver you out of my hands? Think about that. Who is the God who will deliver you out of my hands, King Nebuchadnezzar says. Who is the God, lowercase g, who will deliver you out of... It's as though he's acting as God. And what is their reply? Look at it again. At the end of verse 17, what does Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego say? Our God, he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. He will deliver us. In a few minutes, I just have two main headings. I want to do a few more quick things before that, but in a few minutes, two main headings this morning. As we think about this familiar, uh, maybe familiar childhood story. But there's so much more here than what we may typically think. One of those headings is a question, who was the fourth man in the fire? Who was the fourth man in the fire? And then secondly, we want to see, as we've already begun to see, God 
and Daniel chapter 3. Friends, it is a great joy to open God's word with you this morning. I was reminded of something yesterday, uh, something that I read. I knew this, but it was a good reminder. On this date, which was yesterday, on this date in 1555, Hugh Latimer and Nicholas Ridley were burned at the stake in Oxford under orders from Bloody Queen Mary. Anybody ever heard about this? You've heard of Queen Mary, Bloody Queen Mary? 1555, Hugh Latimer, Nicholas Ridley burned at the stake. As the flames surged around them, the older Latimer said to the younger man dying with him, be of good cheer, Master Ridley, and play the man. That's good, right? Play the man. For this day, by God's grace, we shall light such a candle in England as I pray shall never go out. Now listen, listen, in 1555, Hugh Latimer and Nicholas Ridley were about to be burned at the stake and God rescued them. Long before that time, the Lord Jesus Christ was on the cusp of going to the cross and the Lord rescued him. And in Daniel chapter 3, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were about to be burned in a fiery furnace, and the Lord rescued them. Or, as we may more naturally think, listen to me, we may more naturally think Daniel 3, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were rescued by God from the fiery furnace. The Lord Jesus Christ was not rescued by God from the cross. Hugh Latimer and Nicholas Ridley in 1555 in England were not rescued. Instead, they were burned at the stake. But what I said originally stands. What I said originally stands because in all three cases, they were rescued. What we have to see and what we need God's word to renew our minds to see what we need to see, brothers and sisters, is that it is a true rescue in all three cases. True rescue does not involve being saved from that immediate situation. You see, the Lord Jesus Christ was delivered. He died on the cross for our sins. He was buried in a borrowed tomb. He was raised by the power of God. Oh, he was delivered. Hugh Latimer and Nicholas Ridley, oh, they were delivered. Were they burned at the stake? Yes, they were. They were delivered. The Christian hope is the resurrection of the dead. Our hope is not merely heaven. The Christian hope is the resurrection of the dead. And what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said clearly in verses 16 and 18, did you see it in verses 16 and 18? Even if he does not deliver us from the fiery furnace, we will not bow down to your idols. They would have still been delivered. The miracle, as it's been said, the miracle in this passage is not, first of all, that they didn't even smell like smoke afterwards. The first miracle is their courageousness by God's grace to stand up to King Nebuchadnezzar. This is the miracle. 
Do not, and we've said it before, right? Do not despise the day of small things. Now look at Daniel chapter 3, verse 1. Now we've read the entire chapter, so this morning my purpose is not to go verse by verse or even necessarily section by section. But look at verse 1 of Daniel chapter 3. King Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold whose height was 60 cubits. What is that? 90 feet tall. Okay? 90 feet tall. And its breadth, breadth, excuse me, six cubits. He set it up on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. Ding, ding, ding. You see that in verse 1? Plain of Dura, province of Babylon. That literally takes us back to the Tower of Babel. All right? It takes us back to the Tower of Babel. We need to keep that in mind. Then King Nebuchadnezzar sent to gather the satraps, the prefects, and the governors, the counselors, the treasurers, the justices, the magistrates, and all the officials of the provinces to come to the dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Now stop right there. We need to go back to verse 1. And we need to see how verse 1 comes right on the heels of the end of chapter 2. Now look at this with me. Look at chapter 2, verse 46. Oh, pay careful attention to the Word of God this morning. Chapter 2, verse 46. Then King Nebuchadnezzar fell upon his face and paid homage to Daniel and commanded that an offering and incense be offered up to him. The king answered and said to Daniel, Truly, your God is God of gods and Lord of kings and a revealer of mysteries, for you have been able to reveal this mystery. Then the king gave Daniel high honors and many great gifts and made him ruler over the whole province of Babylon and chief prefect over all the wise men of Babylon. Now, this is important. Verse 49 Daniel made a request of the king, and he appointed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego over the affairs of the province of Babylon. But Daniel remained at the king's court. Very quickly, uh, what we looked at uh, last week in chapter 2 is that King Nebuchadnezzar needed somebody. He wanted somebody. He demanded somebody interpret his dream. And you remember in chapter 2, not only did he demand that there be an interpretation of his dream, but he demanded that somebody also tell him his dream in the first place. And so when we read verses 46 through 49, we see the conclusion that Daniel, because of God, was able to give the king the dream and the interpretation. Now listen, in the king's dream, there was a statue, and the statue This statue had a head of gold. And the head of gold, we were clearly told, represented Babylon and King Nebuchadnezzar. And Daniel revealed this dream, and and Nebuchadnezzar even said in verse 47, he said, truly your God is God of gods and Lord of kings. He was like praising God, right? So, So how quickly, how quickly the one who seemed, listen, who seems to be a true believer, but is not. How quickly they fall away. How quickly somebody can say, praise God, praise God, and yet prove by their lives, not in any sense at all, to be a true God follower. 
Because we see in verse 1 of chapter 3, look at it again. Verse 1, King Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold whose height was 90 feet tall. In other words, I think what is going on here is he says, I'm going to make this 90 foot tall image and the whole thing is gold. I had a dream and I was told that the head of the statue in my dream was gold, but I'm going to make this whole thing gold. And I praised God back there, but now you praise me. You see? And it's just like the Tower of Babel, because it's literally the same place where he is trying to make a name for himself. This is our problem, friends, as sinners. We seek to make a name for ourselves. We don't seek the glory of God. It's all about self and not about God. We don't give thanks to God who alone is worthy, but it's all about me. And so even though, even though he has just praised God, he is no true believer. My friend, it will not do for you to say, praise the God of my friend. Praise the God of those people at Crossway Church. It will not do for you to say, praise the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego as he does here. Is he your God? Do you know him? As we sometimes say, it must be a personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Who was the fourth man in the fire? I told you I had those two headings, and I told you in the second one, we've already begun to look at it. So the first one, right? Who was the fourth man in the fire? The song that we heard this morning was, has been sung by many people. It's entitled, The Fourth Man. Here's some of the lyrics. Here is a story from the Bible or from the good book we know, a story about a miracle that happened long ago. We hope that you'll take courage when temptation you meet. There's somebody watching you who's strong when you're weak. It's a fun song. I mean, obviously, it's not perfect. Then, but then they wouldn't bend. They held on to the will of God, so we are told. They wouldn't bow. They would not bow their knee to the idol made of gold. They wouldn't burn. They were protected by the fourth man in the fire. They wouldn't bend. They wouldn't bow. They wouldn't burn. That's the title of the message this morning. They wouldn't bend. They wouldn't bow. They wouldn't burn. They wouldn't bend. They wouldn't bow. They wouldn't burn. But the title of the song is the fourth man. And the question is, who is the fourth man? Who is the fourth man in the fire? Now, in a sense... In a sense, it would, uh, it would preach better if I felt like I was able to say to you, friends, this, is, this fourth man in the fire that we read about here is clearly and can only be the Lord Jesus Christ. And that I do not deny in any way. I do not deny that. But think about this fourth man in the fire. Look at verse 23. Look at verse 23. And these three men, three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell bound, bound into the burning, fiery furnace. Verse 24, then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished and rose up in haste. He declared to his counselors, I mean, all this is happening quickly, right? 
Did we not cast three men bound into the fire? They answered and said to the king, True, O king. He answered and said, But I see four men unbound, walking in the midst of the fire, and they are not hurt. And the appearance of the fourth is like a son of the gods. The appearance of the fourth is like a son of the gods. I would submit to you that when we study Scripture, when it uses that language, son of the gods, it we may say, well, actually, that, doesn't that solve the issue for us when we ask the question, who was the fourth man in the fire? Actually, no, it doesn't. In and of itself, that actually does not solve the issue for it, for us when it says a son of the gods. Well, boys and girls, let's make sure we don't take anything for granted for just a moment. So, so, so what's happening again? What's going on? Because we, we jumped right in the middle at the first in verses 16 through 18, and, and now we're going to verse 23. Well, just to be clear, King Nebuchadnezzar, the truly awesome, the truly mighty ruler of Babylon, sets up this 90-foot-tall golden image. The whole thing is gold. And there is a decree that is issued for all the people. Remember the Tower of Babel was meant to unite the peoples, right? To make a name for themselves, to provide a place of unity. And so here he brings this so that, so that he would be known, so that he would make a name for himself. And we read as, as Wilson read for us about the pipe and the, and the lyre and the trigon and the bagpipe. Basically, when the band strikes up, when the band begins to play, you are to fall down and worship the golden image. And then verse 8 told us in our very quick review here, verse 8 told us that certain of the Chaldeans or the Babylonians, what? Maliciously, maliciously accused the Jews. Do you remember the end of chapter 2? You remember the last verse Daniel said, hey, if you're going to be bowing down to me, King Nebuchadnezzar, since I told you the dream, which that's not appropriate, but would, let, let me ask you this. Could you help my friends to have high positions? No problem. So Nebuchadnezzar puts Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in high positions. Probably doesn't make the Chaldeans happy. They're probably a little ticked off that they, these Jews, have been given positions of authority. Do you see? So in verses 8 through 12, they maliciously, O king, live forever. You know, some of these Jews that you have in places of leadership, you should probably know, O king, you should be aware that they don't, uh, they don't serve your gods or bow down to your image. Didn't, didn't you say that when the band strikes up that everyone should fall down and worship and that if they don't, that, that they'll be thrown into a fiery furnace? Well, we talked about anger a few weeks ago in the sermon. And King Nebuchadnezzar, there's no better human example in the Bible of anger than King. He becomes very angry. He calls them in. He says, you know, is this true? It's like he's, he's like, he gives them another chance without even letting them talk at all. He says, you know, hey, listen, when the band strikes up, if you will bow down, well and good. But if you don't, there's going to be consequences. They say in verses 16 through 18, my paraphrase, many things are hard, O king. This one is not hard. This, this one is not hard. Verse 19. Nebuchadnezzar was filled with fury and the expression of his face was changed against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He ordered the furnace heated seven times more than it was usually heated. Verse 20, and he ordered some of the mighty men of his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and to cast them into the burning fiery furnace. 
Look at it, verse 21. Then these men were bound in their cloaks, their tunics, their hats, and their other garments, and they were thrown into the burning fiery furnace. Because the king's order was urgent and the furnace overheated, the flame of the fire killed those men who took up Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego. (gasps) Who is the God who will be able to rescue you from my hand? You can't even rescue your own people from the fiery furnace, do you see? The very men who took them up to throw them into the fiery furnace were incinerated. Who is the fourth man in the fire? Well, in verse 28, Nebuchadnezzar tells us, doesn't he? In verse 28, Nebuchadnezzar answered and said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and delivered his servants who trusted in him and set aside the king's command and yielded up their bodies rather than serve and worship any god except their own god. He says he sent his angel which I would also say does not actually preclude this being what we call a Christophany. What's a Christophany? That's an appearance of Christ in the Old Testament. An appearance of Christ in the Old Testament. We don't have any any New Testament warrant to say for sure that this, this was an appearance of Christ. We don't have any warrant from the book of Daniel to say for sure that this was, the fourth man was, an appearance of what you might call the pre-incarnate Christ. At the very least, at the very least, we know that God sent his messenger. At the very least, we as New Testament Christians, so to speak, at the very least, on this side of the cross and the resurrection, we know what it means when he is called Emmanuel, God is with us. We know that God came, the Son of God came in the flesh and lived and dwelt among us. And at the very least, we know that this is an angel. We know that God was with them. And perhaps it was even an appearance of Christ in the Old Testament. But no worries, no worries, friends, because Daniel speaks to us of Jesus Christ in one way or another. Listen to Daniel 7.13. Listen. I saw in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven, there came one like a son of man, and he came to the Ancient of Days and was presented before him. Regardless, we can say this, the Lord Jesus Christ is with his people. The Lord Jesus Christ is with it. You know that Nebuchadnezzar was not the only man who said, you need to fall down and worship or else. The devil also said, listen, in Matthew chapter 4, the devil said to Jesus, fall down, very similar, fall down and worship me and I will give you all of this. And what did Jesus say in Matthew chapter 4? Well, first of all, what he says, it is written. You shall worship and you shall serve the Lord God and him only, him only shall you serve. Who is the fourth man in the fire? Second, God in Daniel chapter 3. God in Daniel chapter 3. This one will certainly be quicker. Look at verse 26. Nebuchadnezzar came near to the door of the burning fiery furnace. He declared, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out, come here. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire. 
And the satraps, the prefects, the governors, and the king's counselors gathered together and saw that the fire had not had any power over the bodies of these, those men. The hair of their heads was not singed. Reminds us of something else that Jesus says. Their cloaks were not harmed, and no smell of fire had come upon them. God's deliverance was total and complete. Verse 28, Nebuchadnezzar answered and said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and delivered his servants who trusted in him, and set aside the king's command and yielded up their bodies rather than serve and worship any god except their own god. Friends, let me pause and just say that government plays a legitimate role in our lives. Government plays a legitimate role in our lives. According to God, according to the Bible, and Christ is king. Christ is king. Verse 29. Therefore, I make a decree. Any people, nation, or language that speaks anything against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Man, he has really changed his tune, hasn't he? I'm going to rip you limb from limb. You shall be torn limb from limb. And their houses shall be laid in ruins. For there is no other God who is able to rescue in this way. How would you answer your own question, O king? How would you answer your own question at the end of verse 15? Your own haughty, arrogant question. Who is the God who will deliver you out of my hands? Well, let him answer it himself. The God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. At the end of verse 29, there is no other God who is able to rescue in this way. And again, again, notice the great tragedy that he does not embrace this God as his own God. You must repent of your sins and personally trust in God through Jesus Christ who died in our place as our substitute. Then the king, to the great joy of all the Chaldeans, no, not really, then the king, verse 30, promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. This is a book about God. The emphasis here is God. Look again at verses 16 through 18. This is the heart. End of verse 15. Who is the God who will deliver you out of my hands? We, we have no need to answer you in this matter. I'm not trying to be disrespectful. They don't lose their courtesy, but their answer is direct. They fear God. This is not a moral dilemma. This is not an ethical quandary. This is the first commandment of the Ten Commandments, right? Listen, here's what they say in verses 16 through 18. We do not know. We're not health and wealth teachers who claim to know certain things. We don't know if it's God's pleasure to deliver us from this instance. What we do know is that he is able. And we also know that we will follow his word and come what may, by the grace of God, we pledge our allegiance to the word of God and to the God of the word. That's what they say. We don't, we don't know if it's his pleasure to deliver us from this particular thing. We do know that it's his pleasure to ultimately deliver us. You see? But if not, verse 18, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. Friends, we have all broken God's law. 
We have broken the Ten Commandments, which includes the first two commandments. We must, as Jesus said, we must worship the Lord our God and serve him only. But we can only do so by his grace and through his help and through his intervention. Through his intervention, the fourth man in the fire. You've, you've listened well. Let me give you four rapid-fire bullet points. Four rapid-fire. Dear friends, keep yourselves from idols. Keep yourselves from idols. 1 John chapter 5, the very last verse of 1 John. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. Yeah, it looked different back then, right? New Testament, there's still idolatry. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. Number two, remember Isaiah 43. Remember Isaiah 43. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you, and through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through fire, you shall not be burned, and the flame shall not consume you. Number three, through Jesus Christ, let us keep the first commandment. Through Jesus Christ, let us keep the first commandment. Let us say, by the grace of God, and of course, only by the grace of God, come what may. We will not bend when it comes to the first commandment. Listen, Exodus 20, 3 through 6. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and the fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall have no other gods before me. Keep yourself. Keep yourselves from idols. Remember Isaiah 43. Through Jesus Christ, let us keep the first commandment. And remember... Remember, not all are rescued from immediate danger. Not all. This passage does not teach that this is the same thing that happens for every believer. You you remember, right? You remember Latimer and Ridley. You, You remember Jesus. This passage does not teach that this is reproducible every time. Sometimes God doesn't cause us to be burned and therefore die. And sometimes over the course of church history, thousands and thousands and thousands of times and today, simply, simply let's be clear that this passage does teach, it does teach that God rescues his faithful people. God rescues his faithful people. He is the faithful one. And it is also good if he chooses to not immediately rescue us, to even let us die. He is good. It is good. This is an example of faith. As Pastor Ben prayed, I was so encouraged. Faith in faithless times. I'll leave you with this quote and I'm done. Please listen carefully. By the way, where's Daniel in all this? We don't know, but Daniel would not have been bound down. 
Daniel wouldn't have been bound down. The message of this book, if the message of the book of Daniel, he says here in this quote, if the message is be like Daniel or today, be like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and all will be well, then we might as well stop reading right now. The more we get to know Daniel, the more we come to realize that we are not Daniel's. The good news of the gospel, however, is not simply that God is faithful to those who are faithful to him. The good news of the gospel is that a savior has come to deliver faithless saints like us. Our salvation rests not on our ability to remain undefiled by the world, but rather on the pure and undefiled offering that Jesus has provided in our place. Our salvation rests not on our ability to say, I'm going to dare to be a Daniel, or I'm going to be like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. No, let's stop reading if that's the case. Let's look to the Lord Jesus Christ, and let's pray together. Take a moment of silence as we prepare for the supper. Oh God, open our eyes to your grace. May we see your righteousness through Jesus Christ. God, help us to see our sin in comparison. and Help us to rejoice in your provision to run to you. We thank you that a Savior has come to deliver faithless saints like us. That it's not about our ability to keep ourselves unstained from the world. But Christ was cut off for our sake. Lord, help us to praise you from truly changed hearts and minds. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.